You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. After 50 years in exile, discouragement reigned. Only a remnant of Israelites had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, a fraction of the number initially taken captive. For most, Babylon had become their home. There had been news of the temple's reconstruction, but the latest word was that construction had come to a halt. This once exciting task had become a pit of discouragement. The people's zeal dwindled. For 16 years, God's house stood empty, unfinished, and ignored. What was enthusiastically started was left alone, forgotten. Then the word of the Lord came to a new prophet, Haggai. Good to see you this morning in worship. Uh, I love Schweitzer Creative. I love what they do with these uh, amazing videos and uh, all the other ways in which communication is done very differently when I got started in ministry. Now, Jake Hotchkiss made a comment last uh, Sunday, the young whippersnapper that he is, uh, having the audacity to talk about how he thought, bringing into question that even were copier machines even in existence when I got started preaching. (laughs) Little did Jake know that actually uh, I didn't have copier machines when I got started. (laughs) We had mimeograph machines. They did exist, but uh, uh, it was was a while down the road. (laughs) I'm amazed at how communication has changed and is changing and technology quickly, and how we have become very reliant as a culture in different modes of communication. And it's challenging today as a speaker to even be able to hold one's attention long. And so I think that's one of the reasons why TED Talks has emerged, and you you find that popular today in terms of people that are speaking short, pointed messages that about ideas that are worth spreading and education and science and nuances that's happening in our culture today. So what I would like to invite you to do today is to think about what I'm doing today is sharing with you four TED Talks, but they're not really TED Talks, they're God Talks. Short, crisp words that's not really from me, but from the prophet Haggai in the year 520. Now, what is striking about Haggai is that if he would have been speaking about the technology or the modes of communication or nuances of his day, we wouldn't be reading or talking about him today. But what Haggai is talking about is that he wants the temple of God to be reconstructed because God has laid this on his heart. And so what makes Haggai timeless What makes Haggai pertinent to us today 
But he's giving a word from God for the glory of God. And he's speaking out of a sense of passion. Calling people to action. You know, it's hard to live life without passion. You ever live, you ever lose your passion at times? You ever have to go find it again? Whether it's in your work or in a marriage or in some project that God's called you to. It's fun to hang out with three-year-olds because they have passion. Our grandson, Oren, comes over every Thursday. And a year ago, Oren's passion was this, the reading about the cardinals. I had a book, and he would walk in the door, and he would say, show me the love of the cardinals. But his passion has changed, and I don't blame him. <laughs> It's hard to feel a lot of passion about the Cardinals these days because I think they've lost it themselves. It's hard to do whatever you're called to do without passion. Now Orrin comes in, Thomas, Thomas the train. So we had a friend that gave a borrow, letting us borrow in this season of life a train set of Thomas, and he watches the video. So he comes in last Thursday and he says, Thomas, Thomas, let's go find Thomas. Sometimes I like to mess with him and I said, well, let's, you mean Tom? No, you said it wrong, Papa. His name is not Tom. His name is Thomas. It's hard to be lectured by a three-year-old. We pray at the table and so he's sitting there with his grandpa and his grandma and he so we join hands and we pray. Join hands. He says, I want to pray. And he says, God, thank you for the food and thank you for Thomas. Amen. <laughs> now, Oren's passion is going to change. It's going to evolve. And friends, it's good for us to have passion. It's good for us to have hobbies. It's good for us to have interests. It's good for us to have passion about our work. It's good for us to have passion about our family. It's good to have different kinds of interest and things that fascinate us. But my question today, how are you doing with your spiritual passion? How are you doing in your relationship with God? Because that's really Haggai's deal. Now, one thing I need to tell you about, we're in the year 520. It's fascinating to me as we're going to look at these four different pep talks, TED talks, more God talks. We know exactly the date. Haggai shows up in Jerusalem on four different times, once in August, once in September, once in October, and once in December. And he's talking to leaders. He's talking particularly to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and he's talking to Joshua, the high priest. He's talking to people in power. He's talking to people that have influence. And he's also talking to the people. The first talk he gives, 
is August 29th, the year 520. He says, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and, bring, and build the house so that I may take pleasure and be honored, says the Lord. Now, notice the words, go, bring, build. That's a call to action. There's nothing convoluted about it. It's simple. It's straight. You know, sometimes I think in our lives we make it too complicated. I think sometimes in the church I've been always fascinated with Bible studies. And I think Bible studies are all right. I remember a black guy, though, that talked about going to white folk Bible studies. He said, you're white folk, you, your Bible studies are interesting, but when are you going to invite me to some Bible doings? When are we going to do what the Bible says? So in the year 520, the people, they've come back to Jerusalem. They've been in exile for 70 years. They've built their luxurious homes. Life is comfortable again for them. Life is good for them again. And the prophet is saying, you live in your luxurious homes. What about my house? And so that today the, the message isn't about a temple. It's not about a building. But it's about a call to spiritual passion and action that causes us to do whatever God is calling us to do in our lives, in our time, in our day. A call to action, a clear, crisp word. A couple of weeks ago, I was returning from a trip in, uh, from New Hampshire to Springfield. And the thing about going from Manchester, a small airport in New Hampshire, to a small airport in Springfield, you just can't get there in a day. I mean, it's trains, planes, and automobiles. It literally takes me about 24 hours because I fly into Kansas City or I fly out of Tulsa or whatever to be able to pull it off. And so I'm in New Hampshire, and there's delays the one thing I don't like about uh, air, air flight is delays. The second thing I don't like is turbulence. And that day, we got a lot of bit of both. And so I'm flying out of New Hampshire, and the flight is delayed three hours and 20 minutes. But I'm told not to worry because when we get to Newark, the flight to Kansas City is also going to be delayed till 10 o'clock at night. And so I get on the plane, and we're waiting there in the runway, we're, getting, we're waiting for the signal to be able to take off. And the captain comes on and says, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to have some turbulence. We're going to be bumpy going up, and we're going to be bumpy going down. But it should be fairly smooth in the middle. <laughs> and so it was bumpy for 20 minutes going up, and it was bumpy coming back down to Newark. The 20 minutes in between weren't bad. <laughs> But when we got off the plane in Newark, deboarding the plane at 9.10 at night, I got an update on my text that said my flight to Kansas City was departing at 
five. Now, there's no way on God's green earth I was going to make that flight. And I also got to go from terminal C to terminal A. And I'm told I got to hit a shuttle bus, go down on the ground, hit a shuttle bus to get there. Now, just, just by faith, I run. I run like an athlete with a bad limp. <laughs> and I get down to the shuttle bus, and I run into this couple with two small children that are desperately trying to get to Terminal A2 to catch their flight to Cleveland. And so we're on the bus. There's two buses parked there, but there's no drivers. And so I poke my head out the side door, and I see these two drivers talking to each other. Now, it's not a good idea to yell at in airports in these days, but I yell. I yell out and say, we're trying to get to Terminal A to catch a flight. We're in a hurry. We need a driver. And in a couple of minutes, a driver pops up. He gets us there. In the meantime, I get an update of a flight that tells me that my flight now is not leaving till 940. And I make the flight. Now, friends, I was a little assertive, hopefully not too aggressive, giving a call to action. The couple didn't mind. Maybe the driver did. But it seems to me that we are living in a time and a place in our culture and our lives where God's good call to action is needed. And I thought on the flight home, when it comes to my own personal agenda and my own needs, I know how to speak up. But when it comes to God's agenda and God's desires, do I? I got a couple of questions for us to think about. What's the turbulence that God is calling you to go through when you're tempted to not to get on board? I was forewarned by the pilot there was going to be some turbulence, but I knew I had to go through it to get to my destination. What makes us think in our lives, in our life with God, in our life and really living for God, that there shouldn't be some bumps along the way? And is there a circumstance in your life today where God is calling you to find your voice in school? in relationships, at work, in your family? Is God asking you to give a call to action? 
or to respond to a call to action. Now, here's the second talk that Haggai shows up again in Jerusalem in September 21st, same year. And the second talk is a stirring things up. The first one was a call to action, get it started. Now he's stirring things up. I am with you. That's in quotes, so it's God speaking. I am with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelito, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work. And so there's a stirring. There's a stirring of things up. What's God stirring up in your heart? What's God stirring up in your mind and your spirit? You know, I found that it's paying attention to the smallest thing that allows me to go into deeper things. Or sometimes it's being called to do a big thing. Is there something in your life Anything, as small as it may seem, where God is calling you to do something. Pastor Jason just got back from Israel, and he talks about flights and uh, his experiences. And one of the things he talks about is that he bumped into a father that is just returning from Israel with his daughter. And he talks about another father that was returning from Israel with a son. And so the conversation was, why? Why are you intentionally doing this? And one of the fathers said, well, I've noticed that my kids know more and believe that the land of Harry Potter is more real than the stories of Jesus. And so I want them to go and walk where Jesus walked. I want them to experience. I want them to know. Well, the father didn't say this. I'm just kind of filling in for him. <laughs> but the land of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, the spiritual realm of things, the physical world is much more real than this virtual fabrication that we create. Does that stir up anything in anybody? Anybody concerned about that? Parents? Grandparents? We're not knocking Harry Potter. That's not the point. The point is that action heroes and Harry Potter and whatever it is, it's more real. In the stories of Jesus Christ. I want to show you a graphic from a guy named James Scholar, and he talks about three different levels of leadership. And even though that graphic isn't really visual for you, I also want to walk us through that, that, that he says that there's this personal realm. And I don't know about you, but the hardest person to lead is myself, self-leadership. But when I am 
doing well in my personal relationship with God and I'm, I've got my act together and I'm integrated and I'm focused and I'm whole, that personal leadership expands to the way that I lead and I conduct my life and my private leadership, which is the one-on-one conversations or uh, the, the, the short list of people that I lead. And then there's the public arena, the way that we live out our life that most people see us. In many ways, that, isn't that what the prophet is calling us to do? That's what Haggai did. What did Haggai do? God stirred up something in him personally. And then he went to the private conversations with Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, and it expanded out to all the people. In the same way, God wants to stir up our hearts. What's God stirring up in you? Third pep talk. It comes in October, October 17th. Where Haggai says, but now be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Do not fear. I love the words. He speaks to those leaders. He speaks to the people. And they started the work. And now his word is, keep going. Keep at it. You know, I found whether it's a project or whether it's the middle of life or whether it's it's you're in the middle of doing something that is hard. It's not the hardest to get started, although sometimes it's not easy to get started. To initiate energy. It's not hard when you see the finish line in view. But the hard part, the hard part's in the middle. When you got the noonday sun beating down on you, that's when it's hard. That's when it's a challenge to stay focused, to stay together, to be strong, not to fear, not to give in, but to keep at it to stay motivated. About six weeks ago, I was uh, going through a funk uh, where, first of all, I just didn't feel motivated. I didn't feel motivated to do the things that usually is, is easy for me to do. And when I was doing these things, I, thought, I felt like it was out of my own self-glory and not for God. Other than that, I was in really good place. Thank you for laughing. (laughs) And so what did I do? Well, there's a guy named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, I'm not going to tell you about him because if I told you what he did, you probably wouldn't think it was relevant or his life was relevant. But Brother Lawrence, they called him Brother Lawrence. He He had a saying for the love of God. And Brother Lawrence became a person that really was known as someone that loved God and loved people. And stayed focused. And he said, I found in my life that whether I pick up a piece of straw, I want to do it for the love of God. Or if if I go to worship, I want to do it for the love of God. 
I don't want to do it out of my own strength. I don't want to do it willy-nilly. I want to do it for the love of God. Or if I'm washing dishes and pots and pans in the kitchen, I want to do it for the love of God. Somehow his phrase just resonated with me. And so I've done this spiritual practice, and sometimes I find it doing all So whenever I get up to do something, or whenever I'm tempted to be distracted, or whether I'm into self-glory, or I don't want to do something, I just keep saying, for the love of God, for the love of God, for the love of God. And that's helped me to stay motivated, to stay focused, because it's hard in the middle. It's hard when we're tired. It's hard when the kids are cranky. It's hard when we're under financial pressure. It's hard when we don't feel like we're a success. It's hard when we haven't really found our own niche or way in which God is calling us forward. It's hard when we don't feel appreciated by others. It's hard. But for the love of God, something happens. Something expands. Something's different. And we keep pressing on. J.D. Wald is the guy that writes for our daily text. And in another venue this week, he writes these words, what he calls the zone of proximity. And he writes it as a way of encouraging us who are pressing forward and really wanting to follow God and to move up and to move on in our life and going deeper. And he, so he says, you are in a zone of proximity to Jesus that could go in one of at least two possible directions. You could go deeper in the abiding life with Jesus and the bond of the Holy Spirit. So you could go deeper. You could keep pressing on. Or you could plateau in a deceptively satisfying, domesticated variety of faithfulness. Wow. Deceptively satisfying, domesticated life. You could just settle down. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun to live like that. It's worth it to press forward. And we need each other. We need some Haggai's in our life. We need some leaders. But ultimately, we have to respond to the call. Keep pressing through, even when it's hard. The final pep talk that he gives comes in December, December 18th, the year 520. And he gives it primarily to one guy, Zerubbabel the political leader, the governor of Judah. It's a special word that he gives to him because apparently Zerubbabel answered the call and led the way in a way that pleased God. So God says on that day, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shalitil, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. The signet ring was the ring of authority. You may or may not be familiar with the story of the prodigal son where the father 
welcomes the prodigal son home. And one of the things he gives him is the signet ring that says you are back in the family. You're back authorized to do all the rights and have all the rights and privileges of what it means to be my son. And Zerubbabel has pleased God in such a way that you get this sense that God is taking him to a deeper dimension, to greatness. Some of us are called to greatness. All of us are called to do little things, as Mother Teresa said, with great love. All of us are called to go. All of us are called to stir things up. All of us are called to keep pressing on. And all of us can know what it means to have the favor of God in our life. Jesus put it this way, many are called, but few are chosen. Those words always bother me. I hope they keep bothering me. What did Jesus mean by that? Does it mean that some people are just predestined? Here's my sense of it. Many are called. Maybe all are called. But few are chosen because few are willing to really press through and get to the place where Zerubbabel knows what a passionate, faithful life is like. Imagine 2,500 years from now, there's some archaeological dig about all our TED Talks and all our uh, Schweitzer creative films and all the things that uh, is going on in our culture today. I suspect that they will laugh out loud if they could discover what we're putting out there and the things that we think are so cutting edge. But 2,537 years ago, to be exact, Haggai had some words that were timeless and true. And whatever you do and whoever you are, it doesn't really matter much unless there's a legacy of faith and something of real, eternal value. Because a hundred years from now, the things that we worry about, we fret about, won't make any difference. And a hundred years from now, scarcely anybody will know that we even lived. But what we do in response to God makes all the difference in the world. As our band is coming up, uh, we're going to go into a sense of worship. I want to invite you to just uh, pray with me for a moment. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your voice that sometimes comes to us in a shout, sometimes in a whisper. Thank you for your people. 
and thank you for your leaders. And God, help us to be a people that respond. It never seems to be a convenient time to serve you completely. It always seems to be easier to hold back. Help us today to be among those who answer the call. And press through. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.